0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Patriot Underground. Today is August 18th, 2023. Thank you so much for joining me, folks, to discover the truth beneath the surface. As always, I really do appreciate everybody out there taking the time to listen. So tonight, I'm going to provide a situation analysis report, and there is an awful lot to talk about today. We're going to get into a little bit of a breakdown of Josh Reed's recent commentary surrounding the Trump card. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. He made some incredible points. He actually laid out the history of Q going back to roughly around 2008, 2009, going back to Obama's first term and really explained how all of the dots fit together. In case folks missed it, you should definitely check this out. It was trending on Before It's News at number one for a while. I shared it on Telegram. So chances are a lot of folks have already seen it. But I'm going to touch upon that a little bit tonight. We're also going to get into the latest on the Maui Directed energy weapon attacks. There's more and more evidence that has surfaced. Undoubtedly, you have seen much of it. We're going to break it all down tonight and much, much more. So, thank you so much, everybody, for taking the time to listen. I really do appreciate it. Let's talk about what's going on with Trump. Now, obviously, we know that he came out and unequivocally said that the fourth indictment was the one that he was waiting for. And ultimately, this is going to be the one that is going to really signal dropping the hammer on the deep state. And subsequently, after the charges came out, RICO charges, by the way, that are typically used, as we all know, for organized crime, they're saying that Trump was the head of a criminal organization, a criminal conspiracy to overturn the election. And we know, I think there are 18 other defendants or maybe 17, including Trump. I can't really remember exactly, but this is totally bogus. Now, he came out and said that on Monday in Bedminster. New Jersey at his home. He's going to hold a press conference and he is going to produce a report that will completely exonerate him and that it's going to have irrefutable evidence. Now, this brings us to Josh Reed's commentary. Now, he gets into an awful lot of detail. And certainly I'm not going to relay everything that he talked about. I encourage folks to watch the video. But in essence, the question of the central question that we've been pondering peripherally, at least throughout this entire journey, no matter what's been going on, there's always been this lingering question in the back of our mind, what is the trump card? And certainly he goes into various different explanations as to what it could be. We've talked about multiple different possibilities, but ultimately the trump card, if you really stop and you think about it, it's the one play that's going to completely reverse the direction optically that we're going right now, the deep state appearing to be in control, appearing to have Trump up against the ropes. So what is that Trump card? And he makes a brilliant case going back to all of the surveillance that was done in the 2020 election. And I'm going to talk about some of that tonight, some of these details, how the Trump card could actually be the military evidence, the military coming forward with this report that they actually Covertly monitored the election and it was indeed stolen. Could this be the Trump card? Could this be the irrefutable evidence that's going to exonerate Trump? And when you really stop and you think about it, yes, they're coming at Trump with all these different indictments, everything from Stormy Daniels to January 6th to the Georgia phone call, the Rico conspiracy charges, on and on and on. It's about Trump, but really, if you zoom out and you think about it, what's really on trial here is whether or not the election in 2020 was fair and honest and upright, the way the mainstream media keeps gaslighting the public into thinking. Now, obviously, there's been a massive amount of shift in terms of consciousness related to election fraud. We had 2,000 mules We've had true the vote. We've had a whole bunch of evidence presented, of course, Mike Lindell's role. And actually, Josh Reed explains how this was, in essence, sort of a beta test, the game, the enemy. But all of this evidence has surfaced about the election in 2020. And indeed, the public perception of what occurred that day and that night specifically has shifted. However, as we know, At every turn, there's been lawfare. At every turn, the deep state has mobilized all of their assets. And we know that they're embedded all the way from the top down to the local level. They have activated all of their assets to prevent any of this information from actually being legally presented and therefore shared with the public, ultimately. And the mainstream media, of course, as we know, has been playing their role in terms of over and over and over every single night, saying that the election was fair, it was honest, that Donald Trump lost, everything was on the up and up. And again, this is ultimately what most people in the country want to believe. And we've talked about this many, many times on this show. The reason that so many folks resist the red pill is because they don't want to have to engage and change and become active and actually shed all of their apathy. People are so used to accepting the world as it is, as they're told it is by an authoritative voice that this is what they want to go on believing. This is the essence of the MK Ultra program. But the point here is that none of this information has ever been allowed to come to the surface. And as we know, certainly Trump's personal attorney John Laurel pointed this out when the charges came forward with uh, stemming from January 6th. Now, Trump has subpoena power. Now he can go back and relitigate the 2020 election. They've opened the door completely. And it's amazing how they've been maneuvered into this position. On the one hand, they really don't want to go down this road because the deep state knows, just as we do that Trump has all these different cards at his disposal that he's getting ready to play, which is why I think this is a pantomime, but that's a case that I've already made. The point here is that ultimately Trump is in a position to reverse all of the tactics that were used that prevented this information from getting out to the public. And Now, in light of the RICO charges in Georgia, he's saying that he has this irrefutable evidence that is going to exonerate him. So let's examine this a little bit more. Now, obviously, we have a number of different indicators. Okay, Trump came out, he's been truthing, he's been retruthing, and he's been absolutely on fire with comms for the Patriot community. Last week, Trump had a truth, which had a timestamp that matched the cue board post, the Trump card is coming. We know that Cash Patel put out a video on the Trump card. And of course, what this does is it revitalizes this speculation about what the Trump card actually is. Now, in this video, Josh he goes back and he talks about the background of Q between the year 1998, really up until 2016, and how there was a large amount of military weapons and hardware and, in essence, secrets that were being stolen and siphoned off and sold off. And this got the attention of a great many patriots in the military. And certainly, these are people who take their oath very seriously. And in essence, the way the story goes is that these generals, my understanding is basically one-star to four-star generals, got together, and they're, in essence, part of their own sort of internal community, their own secret society, you might even say. And what they did was they decided to mobilize their assets because these are individuals who have military power to address what they saw happening. And of course, this was a long time before October 28, 2017, when we saw the first Q post. But this really started when they became aware of all of the high-tech weaponry that was being stolen and sold off to foreign adversaries which obviously constitutes a threat to national security. However, they never imagined the depth of the depravity that they were going to find, but I'm going to get to that in just a second. And by the way, who is perpetrating these crimes? Well, we know already about the division in our military. We don't really know the percentage per se, but we know that there is a massive portion of our military that is cabal, the ones that actually engineered the bioweapon, the COVID jab, like RFK said, and basically just slapped a a Pfizer or Moderna label on it. But these were all developed by the deep state, the military specifically. And so what was happening is that high-ranking military officials, cabal deep state assets within the military, were colluding with government contractors, obviously high-profile politicians. And certainly bureaucrats, we could add to that list. And again, I'm underscoring this because it's very important to understand the division within the military and how you've had good elements battling bad elements, white hats versus black hats in the background for a very long time. So the patriots in the military, they began to launch these covert investigations in the form of what are called special access programs, where they can open up an intelligence operation to discover what's going on. And that's exactly what they did. So these are classified investigations that are hidden from Congress, hidden from the Senate, hidden from even the president. And the warrants for these investigations can be obtained by a judge advocate general in the U.S. Army who has FISA power. So it doesn't have to come from a civilian court. Under these circumstances, it certainly wouldn't. And this is how you bypass so much of that corruption within the judicial system. So this began during Obama's first term. The generals sanctioned off some money to fund these investigations of the deep state. And by the way, it was Senator Jeff Sessions at that time who was the chairman of the Armed Forces Committee. Isn't that something? So this spying operation using the vast intelligence gathering apparatus and capabilities of the three-letter agencies, specifically the NSA, began as the result of these patriots embedded in these institutions all along, not only within the military, but also within the intelligence community. They all started working together through these special access programs. And later, I'm going to explain how this actually came about, the more specific information about who authorized these programs and so forth. So they were looking to see who is selling these military secrets? And of course, they discovered that there was this massive criminal syndicate dealing with a legal weapons trade that led them to then discover things like Uranium One, Fast and Furious, and then ultimately the real dark satanic elements of the cabal, the pedophilia, the human trafficking, the torturing, for adrenochrome. I could probably spend an hour talking about the different brands and methods of evil that they practice. But certainly folks out there are well aware. But the point is, is that they didn't expect, these generals did not expect when they began these investigations that it was going to lead to this level of depravity. So again, this was all before the the Q post, as we know. And this was back in the era when Pizzagate came about, because this information started being leaked by these generals, the information that they were getting through the NSA during this covert sting operation or spying operation really is what it was at the time through these special access programs that are authorized within the military and have absolutely nothing to do with the civilian courts. And certainly they're on a need to know basis. And this, of course, is what spawned the whole Pizzagate revelation. Because these emails were so dark, twisted, and satanic, they started to leak little bits of it out. And this, of course, is when WikiLeaks got involved leaking these emails. And this began to red pill the public massively without necessarily compromising the ongoing investigations. At that time, they were still very much active in terms of trying to figure out who the players were and weaving together or connecting all of these dots in this web of evil. And so once they started to leak out this information, we know that certain high-profile people ended up dead, like Andrew Breitbart, like Michael Hastings. They were killed ultimately because they were brave enough to actually report on what was being leaked out through WikiLeaks, of course, but also through other sources. And we know that in the case of Michael Hastings... He was getting information leaked to him directly by General McChrystal, an individual that we just spoke about recently. I actually talked about him with Kerry Cassidy recently as well. And we also know that in the midst of all this, CIA operative Edward Snowden essentially infiltrated the deep state spy operation and revealed that the U.S. was using the NSA to spy on its own citizens. But of course, it's essential to understand that it was the enemy that was being spied on using the legal framework established by the Patriot Act, which came into play, as we know, after 9-11. And it was these generals that were actually authorizing doing all of this spying because, again, it all started when they became aware of all of these high-tech military weapons and secrets that somehow were ending up in the hands of rogue nations. And as far as Snowden is concerned, it's really unclear whether or not he was a deep state asset, or he was just a patriot who felt like he was doing the right thing, not understanding the full scope of what was going on during Project Prism. They were spying on heads of state. They were spying on senators. They were spying on the bureaucrats, the government contractors, everybody who was involved in this criminal activity. And it was also around this time when the NSA had that mysterious tweet that was deleted about Pizzagate being real, prompting folks to investigate. Of course, we had Michael Flynn talking about Maria Abramovich and mentioning spirit cooking. And this was all designed, as Josh Reed pointed out, to rile people up and to get them to start investigating on their own, to get them to start digging deeper. And that's exactly what happened. And of course, he also mentions the Wiener laptop. And all of this happened Before the Q drops, like I've said, this was the beginning of the exposure of Huma Abedin, who, as we know, was Hillary Clinton's chief of staff for more than 20 years. And her father was the head of the Muslim Brotherhood. And so all of this was leading up to the beginning of the Q drops as the generals were investigating who the criminal elite were inside the government, running it from behind the scenes as a shadow organization, selling off secrets and committing treason for personal profit and for ideological reasons as well, because they are evil and they're aligned with evil and they desired to bring down the United States from within. Because it's long been known that's the only way you could take down a free country is to destroy it from within. And so that's what was going on. And the generals were getting wise to this. And as they were getting wise to this, of course, the deep state was also starting to realize primarily through the infiltrator Edward Snowden, whether for good or bad, what was going on. And so, of course, they were making moves behind the scenes to try to counter all of these investigations by the White Hats. But as I said, the more they started digging, the more the White Hats realized that they were in the process of uncovering the darkest evil that this world has ever known or ever seen or even believed existed. So then, fast forward to Obama's second term, 2012, he fired. You remember when Trump said at his first inaugural address that I've got 200 generals behind me? Well, it turns out that those 200 generals are the very same that were fired by Obama during a one and a half year period, right around 2012, shortly after his reelection. These same generals are the ones that invited Trump to run for office. These were the individuals who were involved in this intelligence gathering operation and investigation of the deep state who were then fired after the program was exposed by Snowden. And of course, this involved General Flynn. It involved General McChrystal, who I mentioned a moment ago. And we all know the story of Michael Hastings. He was given information. He was working on a story. He came out with a story about how the CIA had the ability to utilize cyber warfare tactics to hack into vehicles and accomplish assassinations by essentially taking over the vehicles and driving them off a cliff, or in the case of Michael Hastings, driving it into a tree at 150 miles an hour, which is what killed him, the very same cyber warfare assassination covert tactic by the CIA that he was reporting on. So all of this stuff was going on in the background. And this is at the height of the Obama administration. As they had become aware of this 16-year plan, they'd uncovered it during their investigation, and they were having all of these back-channel communications with other heads of state. This involves General Flynn's conversation with Erdogan. Josh Reed goes into some detail on that. Again, I'm not going to rehash all of this, just give you guys the highlights here. But they knew that if Hillary won in 2016, then war with Russia was going to be imminent. And so obviously, there was back-channel communication. This is how Putin was brought on board. They knew of U.S. plans to put up missile shields in Poland and the Ukraine. And you recall that this was exactly the time when Russia basically backed away from all the non-proliferation treaties in preparation for Hillary Clinton winning if she won. They knew that war with the United States, the threat of thermonuclear war with the United States would be a certainty at that point. And as I've stated in the past, the alliance was prepared to do a hot coup in the event that Hillary got into office. And of course, there's a whole story associated with the 2016 election. As we know, that involves Hillary Clinton's emails, and it involves Hammer and scorecard. In essence, what she did was she used this same software that the CIA was using to steal elections in third world countries and implemented it here. And unfortunately for her, they hacked into these very same systems and shut down her attempted steal in 2016 in order to prevent imminent war with Russia and ultimately the 16-year plan moving forward. And we all know what that involved. And none of it was good. So they were prepared to do a hot coup if they couldn't assure a Trump victory. But fortunately, that wasn't necessary. And so what ended up happening was Hillary Clinton used the hammer and scorecard software and ran the program on a server very close to Russia in the Ukraine. So the IP address would appear to be Russian. And it turns out, of course, that this was the very same company, the very same barisma. That's now coming back into the spotlight. In fact, just yesterday, John Solomon went on Fox and said that next week he's preparing a whole new timeline, whole new set of documents and evidence that is going to clearly show that Joe Biden withheld that money. As we know he did, he bragged about it at the Council of Foreign Relations until they fired the prosecutor who was investigating Burisma. This is exactly where the cheating was emanating from in 2016. It's amazing how all of these dots connect. And this server just happened to be operated and installed by a company called CrowdStrike. And we know that later on, That name was going to become very popularized during Trump's phone call with Zelensky when he asked them specifically about that server. I think that was somewhere around 2019. And of course, that was what stimulated the deep state to escalate their attempts and ultimately to impeach him unsuccessfully in terms of removing him from office at that point in time, but they definitely did impeach him because they knew that that server would basically bring down the entire web of deep state corruption. And they would be exposed for stealing the election and committing treason. And that, of course, as we know, is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of their crimes. And then we also know, as Josh Reed reminded us, that when Trump met Putin in Helsinki, he got a copy of the CrowdStrike server inside the Sarka And Putin famously told him, the ball is in your court, Mr. President. We know that the Russians had the CrowdStrike server. Were they able to obtain it through Russian Cyber Command or was it seized physically by Spetsnaz? We don't actually know those details, but we certainly know that this could be, and this is getting to the ultimate punchline here of what Josh Reed had to say, that that CrowdStrike evidence could be part of the Trump card because, of course, that was monitoring. We're talking now about 2016. We haven't even gotten to 2020 yet. So it's very possible that that is part of the Trump card that's getting ready to be played. But because they were unsuccessful in keeping Trump out of office in 2016, and of course unsuccessful in getting Hillary into office in order to move forward with their 16-year plan, they began this much larger plot to steal the 2020 election. Trump knew it. He talked about it long before the election happened, that they were going to steal it. He set up all of the legal framework, all of the executive orders during his first term in order to go operational with this thing to monitor, track, and ultimately reveal all of the fraud that was to occur in the 2020 election. So this was monitored in real time by the alliance. And so all of this led to Q, which was intended to produce this grassroots army that would ultimately take back the reins of control over information. We started to connect the dots. We started to understand the deep state playbook. We became aware of their depraved practices so that we could begin to shift the consciousness amongst the masses, working in alignment with the White Hats as a part of this military-civilian alliance, working to decode the most significant intelligence-sharing operation in human history. And not only that, Q was designed to develop new platforms for truthful communication, like the ones that I'm coming to you on right now, Rumble and BitChute and Truth Social, and there are many others. And there are probably going to be many more as time goes on. And not only that, we're seeing that even the deep state platforms, I'm hearing YouTube is starting to let more content on. I actually haven't tested the waters there myself. I'm not very popular at YouTube, but we're starting to see that shift as well which I believe is an indication, again, that the White Hats are actually in control behind the scenes. They have their own people there, and that there is a slow, gradual shift that's occurring even within the mainstream media. The paradigm is entirely shifting because of what the Q operation did. This was a massive transition that was happening right alongside. I mean, everyone was no longer paying attention to the mainstream media. People were getting their information more and more from the internet, specifically social media. And so during this transition period, Q came in to really get us to the point where we're at today. And it's like BioClandestine just posted the other day. We had a number one movie with Sound of Freedom, a number one song. We have Trump getting indicted four times, the public rallying around him. We see the downfall of all of the woke corporations from Bud Light to calls to target on and on and on for sexualizing children and targeting children to try to groom them that ultimately we're winning the culture war i think that's undeniable at this point and it all began because of the q operation because all of us decided to take this journey so in this process we basically became the new media we rendered the mainstream media obsolete but most importantly we took away their ability to suppress the truth by developing an army of truth seekers and patriots who are committed to exposing these monsters for who and what they are. And we can see that as time goes by, the general consensus is changing. And there's now a nearly universally accepted truth that the deep state exists and that it's operating against we the people on every level and seeking to pursue a new world order, totalitarian, one world government. People know that now. Now, a little while ago, I mentioned Hillary Clinton's 33,000 emails and why they were so important. And this is actually part of his commentary that I found really fascinating because there were certain details in there that I was unaware of. And I wanted to share some of this with the audience. Now, when Hillary's emails were testifying about by Charles McCullough III, who was the Inspector General of the intelligence community at the time, he said that they were part of what are called special access programs, which I mentioned in the beginning of the show, that are highly classified, can't even be disclosed during non-public sessions or what they call skiffs. And so by refusing to answer questions about her emails, saying that they are special access programs that contain the biggest secrets of the military, Charles McCullough III tacitly exposed what Hillary was up to. If you understand the basic premise that this investigation centered around the theft of high-tech military secrets and subsequent sale to foreign adversaries, specifically China, then it's pretty obvious that she was using this server to commit high treason. And of course, China was dumping millions into the Clinton Foundation during this very same time period. And so whatever was on those servers obviously had to be beneficial to China. And of course, that would certainly include our technological breakthroughs that have military applications that could be reverse engineered by the CCP. And it was also during this period that China had a massive expansion of their military. Of course, because they had all of this new technology flooding in, because Hillary Clinton was using this email and this server to sell U.S. military secrets, to sell Access to these special access programs. And she was rerouting all of these emails to a Gmail account. And we also have to remember that at this point during Obama's tenure, I think it was roughly from 2013 to 2016, there were massively significant weapon systems that were being developed at that time, including hypersonic missiles, not to mention the rapid expansion of biological warfare agents. And what Josh Reed explained. That I found really fascinating was the reason that Trump immediately shut down all of these education exchange programs that were set up by Obama back in 2008 and 2009 because they were primarily with China. And what was happening was that the CCP was funding new educational halls, new educational centers, and as a result, they got access to U.S. professors in key military interest areas like biological warfare and hypersonic technology, and put these individuals into submission. They would get them to go to China under the auspices of making a speech and accepting Chinese hospitality, and instead, they'd end up in hotel rooms with guns to their head by the Chinese foreign services, threatening to kill them, to kill their family, to ruin their career, all of the above, if they don't immediately start divulging all of the secret technologies that they're working on for the U.S. military or they would just go the blackmail route a la Jeffrey Epstein. And so the 32 college professors and institutions that were arrested between 2016 and 2019 under tax charges was actually just a cover story, because this was considered to be way too sensitive to reveal to the public at that point. And pressing charges on what they were actually guilty for in the civilian court system was a road that they didn't want to go down at that time. So my suspicion is, is that military tribunals have already or will occur for what these monsters were up to. And it turns out that each of these 32 individuals that was brought up on these quote unquote tax charges had received some form of government grant from either DARPA or the NSA, or the DOD, or one of the three-letter agencies, and consequently was working on high-level science technology related to space technology applications, including space propulsion, space energy systems, and nanotechnology integration into biological systems. And so it was Hillary Clinton's emails which enabled China to know how to target these professors specifically because they were involved in these special access programs. And so once again, these educational exchange programs with China were just a front vehicle for the CCP to threaten and blackmail their way into stealing our most cutting-edge technology and building up their military in the process. And this is why Trump put a stop to it immediately. And how this happened was the special access program emails that were being sent to Hillary, and she wasn't even supposed to get them, which raises questions about... Who else was colluding with her and sending her this information. But essentially what they found was that she would forward and reply to these emails. And there was metadata within her own server that proved that every time she forwarded or replied to one of these emails about special access programs, it would send a copy to her Gmail address. And the login log of the Gmail address showed logins by IPs in China. So the emails that she wasn't even supposed to have were forwarded to this Gmail account that was being accessed by the CCP. And these special access programs were, again, of the highest and most sensitive technology and secrets of the military, including reverse engineering of off-world craft. And so all of this is what led up to the Q-drops because, again, the generals found all of this, but they needed to develop a focal point around a grassroots awakening that would enable this information to take root in the public amongst all the people while covert military operations proceeded behind the scenes. And And so this is the history that led us to where we are today. And it's so critical to understand because it ties in directly to understanding the deep state and their tactics to go after and eliminate Trump by any means possible to stop him from revealing all of this and prevent the success of the overall alliance operation. So this ties into the question of the Trump card, because if Trump doesn't have evidence, irrefutable evidence, to substantiate his claims that the 2020 election was stolen, if he doesn't have irrefutable proof to exonerate him, and the irrefutable proof would have to be in relation to the election being stolen, then the deep state charges against him would stick, and he would go to jail or even face execution for treason. But Trump knew all along that he was going to quote-unquote lose the election, and that he would be targeted when he left office. He said it many times. And all along, he's been baiting them, as the Magador, as Juan calls it, baiting the deep state to charge him, in relation to all of the statements that he's made about the elections, about all the actions that he's taken surrounding challenging the results. So this is all about setting the stage for the big reversal event. And of course, as I mentioned before, and we all have heard, Trump announced a large, complex, detailed, but irrefutable report on the presidential election, which took place in Georgia. He said it's almost complete. And it's going to be presented on Monday at 11 a.m. And Trump goes on to say, based on the results of this conclusive report, all charges should be dropped against me and others. There will be complete exoneration. And that's in all caps. They never went after those that rigged the election. They only went after those who fought to find the riggers. Well, of course, absolutely. And it turns out, as Josh Reed pointed out, that the eight- Twenty-one August 21st date corresponds to the only previous Q drop on that date, the Great Awakening. And Trump also posted this on True Social with a timestamp of 849, which corresponds to drop 849, Future Proofs Past. You have more than you know, biggest intel drop in known history. Could the intel drop be coming into play in the form of the Trump card being played in response to these indictments which Trump said would secure his victory. Because again, in order for the charges to stick, the cabal needs to prove that the election was legitimate, which has only been presumed up to this point because lawfare tactics were deployed en masse, involving legal standing to bring a suit and of course the gaslighting of the mainstream media. Trump has to provide irrefutable proof that the election was stolen in order to exonerate himself. And he successfully baited the Department of Justice under Biden into charging him on the very issue that he wanted to bring the attention of the masses to, which is election fraud. And so, as I said earlier, given the fact that all of the indictments center around the results of the 2020 election, in essence, what's on trial here is the election itself. And Trump, by baiting the enemy into doing this, simply created a vehicle to get there. So, if he's talking about a report that will exonerate him, essentially, he's saying that he's going to present proof that the election was stolen. And the only proof that would ever be accepted would have to come from the military. And then, of course, he goes into Lieutenant Dan Kane and the role that he played basically being at the helm of all the special access programs, being the one individual who authorizes them and talks about how likely it is that Trump tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, we got to monitor the 2020 election. They're going to steal this thing. And so very likely they created a special access program under Lieutenant General Kane to monitor and track the election in real time, but kept it hidden until now. And it's also very likely this is the data that they were looking for, at least part of what they were looking for when they raided Mar-a-Lago the data given to Trump by the military about the sting. And of course, all the top brass comes forward to substantiate this and discloses the operation to monitor the election, that is indeed a Trump card. And we all know that it's been publicized. The Department of Defense has been monitoring the elections. General Nakasone referenced talking about monitoring the actions of adversaries. The National Guard was deployed to provide infrastructural and logistical cybersecurity support. At every major polling location. This means the military had a direct means of monitoring all the theft, especially given the COVID tracking technology that was also a part of this used to monitor the proximity of every individual involved. Now, again, the only evidence that would exonerate Trump would be military proof coming from one of the major three letter agencies, coming directly from the military, DOD, NSA. FBI, CISA, the only sources of evidence and proof that would trump everything else that the deep state has thrown in the way to prevent this information from getting out to the public, the only thing that would be really accepted by the public as a trump card would be this information coming directly from the military that, yes, in fact, the 2020 election was stolen. Yes, it was monitored in real time. And we used government tracking tools in order to do it. And so therefore, it becomes irrefutable, just like Trump said. Remember that Q told us, the military is the only way. What does that really mean in this context specifically? It means that the only way to exoneration that will lead to deep state exposure is through the military, specifically the results of the special access program investigation initiated by Trump and authorized by Keynes. And so if Kane and Nakasone and others come out to substantiate this sting operation, it's going to exonerate Trump completely. And then, of course, you'd have to have the Secretary of Defense, you'd have to have Christopher Ray at the FBI look at the information, and they'd have to substantiate it as well, because there's no way for them to refute evidence that was gathered by the military using their own methodologies and technologies sanctioned specifically by the government. So if this is what's going to transpire, not only will Trump be exonerated and all charges be dropped, but Biden will have to be removed from office. And that could be where the Brunson case comes back into play. Perhaps, like Kane and Nakasone, the SCOTUS were told to keep the final Brunson case verdict, the favorable ruling that those who went forward with certifying the vote without a legally mandated investigation, failed to uphold their oaths and need to be removed from office. Perhaps they were told, the Supreme Court, to keep that under wraps until the appropriate time, when Trump had been falsely charged for the very same treason that they committed, and the public had the opportunity to watch all of this unfold and awaken in the process. And as far as the SCOTUS is concerned, we also have to keep in mind that certain members are compromised. And have been brought under submission by the White Hats, which is all the more reason that they're likely being puppeteered behind the scenes by the White Hats. So, is the Trump card irrefutable proof that the election in 2020 was stolen? And is military proof the only way? Seems probable to me. We'll have to see what happens on Monday. But as I stated earlier, Georgia would have to prove that the election was on the up and up in order for the charges to stick. And what's getting ready to happen, I believe, folks is the reversal event that we've been waiting for. Information direct from the military pertaining to the election is the only way to exonerate Trump, who has repeatedly said one more indictment will lead to his exoneration and subsequent election. Absolutely fascinating. So once again, folks, check out Josh Reed's commentary. Absolutely brilliant. Highly recommended. Now let's switch gears a little bit here. I also wanted to touch upon Jim Willie's latest, and he was previewing the BRICS summit. And before he even got into the financial aspect of the conversation, he mentioned, as I'm sure you folks have seen by now, the predictive programming in the form of Mountain Dew. Okay, we all know Dew is short for, it's an acronym for Directed Energy Weapons. And they had a specific type of Mountain Dew, which was Maui blast. And of course, we always are told by the cabal in one form or another, whether or not this was just some crazy coincidence or whether or not, which again, I don't believe it was, I don't believe in coincidences anymore, or whether this was predictive programming by the enemy. It's absolutely amazing that this connection is right there in front of our face. And when we open our eyes, we can see these things with increasing frequency and clarity. So what happened in... Hawaii folks. Was this a land grab? There's certainly a lot of evidence to suggest that. I'm sure you've heard about the 15-Minute City Initiative, that the governor in Hawaii had passed legislation very recently to relocate residents in case they had to rezone under emergency circumstances. And plans were already drawn up to create housing project there as a part of one of these 15-Minute Cities. And there are reports that the Natives in Maui had been resisting attempts, corporate attempts, to buy up the land for a resort. So was that part of the motivation of what went down here? Well, it certainly seems like there's a lot of evidence to support that. We also have reports of the water being shut off. As people were trying to battle the fire, they were doing a pretty good job until all of a sudden the water just shut off. We have reports of the police blocking escape routes. If you look at all the abandoned cars on the highway, all of these people, I mean- were left there to burn alive. They were blockaded in. They had to maybe jump into the ocean to try to escape these fires. We also have reports of the police blocking people from coming and actually providing aid, attempting to bring in food and water and gas and other supplies, and they've been turned away by the police. We also have seen all the pictures of the metal being burned while the trees are left standing. But this police captain, as I'm sure you've heard by now, is very, very suspicious. The very same individual who was one of the first responders to the Vegas false flag shooting in 2017 at the Jason Aldean concert. And it turns out, there was a TikTok video that I shared on my Telegram as well, that he, Peltier, I think is his name, John Peltier, has faced seven former workplace environment complaints. And there was a news broadcast in this TikTok video that Breaks down the hostile work environment. The people said that they needed to get on medication and seek therapy working for this guy. There was also another individual who came with him from Vegas. I can't remember his name, who mysteriously just quit after 10 months on the force after being recruited by Peltier to come and work for the Maui PD. A lot of strange stuff going on with this guy. And so it's pretty obvious that he's hiding something when we see the video that these brave citizen journalists took of this guy basically refusing to answer any of their questions like a coward, running away from these people, not answering the very obvious basic questions like, why did the fire alert emergency system not go off? Why did it go off for a false alarm, but when there's a real disaster, it doesn't go off? Why did the water get shut off? Why are people being blocked from bringing in aid? Why... Are all these irregular burn patterns being noticed? Why are you not answering any of these questions? And then when you look into his past, you find all sorts of shady stuff. And I'm sure that people are going to continue to dig. I wish I had more time to do it myself. Ultimately, I'm almost certain we're going to find this guy is a Freemason. He's involved in these secret societies. He's cabal to the core, just like others that we've seen who fit his profile in the past, who have been at the centers of where these false flags have occurred. So we're going to continue to keep our eye on the situation in Maui. And of course, you heard my conversation with Kerry Cassidy about this topic the other day. Lots of different angles to consider here. Who actually perpetrated the attack? Was it a CCP, direct energy weapon? Was it some form of non-terrestrial incursion or attack? Was this, in essence, a land grab? Was this an attack by the deep state on the center of Space Force, which is located in Maui? These questions are all lingering at the moment, folks, but certainly we know that one way or another, this is yet another example of fifth generational warfare as the deep state is suffering their final death throes. And now getting back to the financial component of the Jim Willie interview, he was basically previewing the upcoming summit, I believe it's next week, in Durban, South Africa, the, the upcoming BRICS summit. And as we know, Jim has been focusing a lot on the BRICS gold token. And of course, he's been talking about the fundamental erosion of the dollar in the form of treasury bonds and how all of this ties together. Now, the BRICS gold token, what's going to happen is essentially that participating nations are going to need to have a significant amount of gold in reserve in order to participate in bilateral trade using the token as a vehicle. And as a result, They'll need to sell their treasury bonds in order to buy gold, in essence, holding the rug out from underneath the dollar indirectly and not competing as a currency which would make this financial vehicle more susceptible and more vulnerable to attack. And Jim breaks down all the different reasons for that. But in essence, what folks need to understand is that by introducing a gold token as opposed to a currency, they actually have a lot more protection. It's a huge advantage because they don't have the same laundry list of concerns that come with creating a new currency, and because other currencies aren't going to be directly competing against it, specifically the euro and the dollar. And Jim pointed out, just as a barometer of where we're at right now, in terms of the erosion of the dollar and why treasury bonds are so fundamental, June of this year, we saw the highest amount of foreign treasury bonds sold in U.S. history. So that just gives you an idea of what's happening geopolitically, the, the realignment that's happening. And what he's saying is actually accurate. Foreign nations are recognizing that our debt is toxic. It's $32 trillion and counting, as we know. Go look at the debt clock. It's, it makes me sick to even look at it. But this is being recognized all over the world. Everybody knows we're never going to be able to pay down this debt. And that's why These countries are dumping their treasury bonds, but specifically they're doing it to build up their gold reserves to participate in the BRICS gold token model on a bilateral basis. So not only are they going to have to sell their treasury bonds to fund the acquisition of gold in order to purchase these gold tokens, but they're also going to need a buyer. And keep in mind that redemption haircuts, as Jim calls them, are already ongoing. And this is important because you have to remember that the United States has some of the largest gold reserves in the world, which means that other countries are going to be looking to acquire some of our gold as they dump their treasuries. So it's likely that in these bond redemption deals, where foreign countries are already taking a hit, they're going to demand that the U.S. pay a percentage of gold to compensate them for their treasury bonds or risk becoming a rogue nation subjected to import boycotts which would completely cripple the country. So the increase in the demand for gold is going to be huge. And Jim talked about how Dubai, the UAE, is planning on increasing tenfold as a gold window, and they're already using XRP for transaction settlement. So there's reason to believe that this pattern will continue where XRP will be used as a transaction settlement tool to bypass SWIFT, as the transition into worldwide precious metal-backed currency continues. And so his ultimate assessment of the BRICS coming summit is that they're going to provide a lot less information than people want to hear, and they're going to be very, very careful because in a military operation, and this is all part of this military operation, folks, make no mistake about it, you never want to tip off your enemy about what you're going to do, and there's going to be a lot of misdirection as well. But I happen to think that when we see this summit take place, there is going to be a very clear indication of the direction that they're moving with this gold token, and it's going to be very clear to the entire world that this represents yet another major marker in the downfall of the dollar. Now, do I think necessarily that the dollar is just going to go away, that it's just going to you know completely... Get destroyed in the process? No, ultimately, I think that this is a controlled demolition to bring down the central bank, to bring down the fiat debt prison Ponzi scheme. But that, yes, the dollar ultimately is going to survive because in the background, we have the quantum financial system that is mirroring everybody's accounts. And as we know, eventually, the dollar is going to be replaced with the US note. So we're still going to have a currency here in America, but we're going back to constitutional money. Backed by gold and silver. And this is why I continually urge folks to roll over their 401k, to roll over their IRA into precious metals. Do it now before everybody is rushing for the exits at the same time. Ultimately, this is where we're headed. There are certain digital currencies like XRP, which I just mentioned, that are going to play a fundamentally important role in the quantum financial system, in the transition into the new financial model, the quantum model that's going to be adopted worldwide. But during that same transition period, there's going to be an awful lot of people taking financial losses if they don't make the right moves ahead of the masses. But folks, there is just so much going on in the world right now. So many different things that I could continue to talk to you all day about, but I've been on here for a while. So I think I'm going to cut it. Hopefully you enjoyed today's podcast. Please do me a favor, hit that like button. Let me know what you thought in the comments and make sure that you check out the links in the description I've told folks that I have been kicked off of all of the payment processing platforms, including Patreon, Buy Me a Coffee, and several others that I attempted to sign up for. And yes, I know that there are some that are friendly to Patriots, but the problem that I have is I want to maintain my anonymity, which creates a whole extra layer of complexity as far as that goes. So at the current moment, I'm unable to accept donations, but- People can check out patriotunderground.shop and pick up an item or two, high quality. That's my merch store. High quality items, very affordably priced. That does help me out. And please folks, do yourself a favor. Like I said, check out patriotundergroundgold.com or patriotundergroundsilver.com, either one. The silver link is for those folks out there who might be interested in qualifying for $10,000 worth of free silver, depending upon the nature of their account, and where they're at financially, but certainly there is that possibility for folks out there to consider. Might as well, if you're going to make that transition, get some free silver in the process. But either one of those two links will put you in touch with my team. They'll explain the process to you. It's very easy, very simple. And this is just fundamental, basic to protect all the wealth that you have worked so hard your entire life to earn. Patriot, Underground Gold or PatriotUndergroundSilver.com. And before I part ways with you folks today, just want to remind everybody to check out PatriotSwitch.com slash Patriot Underground, the best company out there for all of your house